Good morning, City Hill. Great to see everybody this morning. What a beautiful spring day, huh? Beautiful to be alive. It's also an exciting day. Brandon and Emily. Hey, these we got some newlyweds here. Stand up, guys. We want to celebrate some things. Surprising this morning. We got some newlyweds among us. Woo! It's a good day for everybody. Praise the Lord. Anybody here believe in miracles? Well, I have proof today that miracles still exist. The Minnesota Twins are in first place. That's right. They are eight and a half games up, and it's still May. It's a miracle. We're, uh, they are better than the Los Angeles Dodgers, Ben Logan. They are better than the New York Yankees. The Minnesota Twins are in first place in all of baseball, and that, my friends, is a miracle. Now, I will tell you that I am the definition of a fair-weather fan when it comes to the Minnesota Twins. I'll follow the Vikings, win or lose, but the Twins, you know, I've been, since 1991, it's been a pretty sad road. But today, miracles still happen. The Minnesota Twins are in first place. I talked to somebody, and they were, I think his name was Eeyore, and he was like, Kent, there's a lot of baseball left. It's still May. It's like, no, it's May, and we're up by eight and a half. It's great. So they're packing out the stadium, having fun. Anyway, it's just kind of fun. But may I say that God is full of surprises. And if the Minnesota Twins can be in first place, then God can do anything. So let those crazy words ring in your heart that God is the God of surprises. And there are times in our lives where I believe that we just get so tired of hoping that we just say, it's just never going to happen. And I just want the fun of the twins to put that word of hope in the reality of things that really matter, twins don't really matter, but the things that really matter in our lives, that God is the God of great surprises, and he has surprises and plans and hope for you even today. Let's pray. God of miracles, I want to thank you for life's surprises, that life doesn't just go according to our um, fears. But that, God, you are the God of miracles. You are the God that can do anything. And, God, I pray that you would drop even more hope or seeds of hope into our lives where we've lost hope, God. Come surprise us once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's in the Bible. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Now, what's that speaking of in the Bible? It speaks of a humanistic philosophy that really many people live by today. Their goal, their focus is so this world, today, this life. And folks, if this is all there is, if this is the end all, and when you die, you're gone, and there's nothing more than eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Concept being life is short, so let's have a party, right? 
Now, we all enjoy a good barbecue on Memorial Day. We all enjoy being together with friends. Nothing wrong with that. But I believe that the fact that you're here in church this morning says that you believe that there is a God in heaven. So hear an amen. You believe there's a God in heaven. You believe that you're not on this earth just by chance. I don't care what the circumstances around your birth nor your family are. I mean, I care, but in the sense of, does God have a purpose for you? Yes. Every life is sacred to God. Every life is a, is a beautiful, incredible miracle of God. And you believe with me that God has a plan for your life. And I believe that you being here says that you don't want to live simply for today. You want to live for the plans and purposes of God that go beyond this world. You want to set your eyes on the things of eternity and you want to be a part of God's plan. Are we together this morning? Amen. So, as I was contemplating that today, I thought, you know, that's where my life is. That's what I want. I want my life to make a difference in this world. One of the joys I find in life are those little notes or something where somebody says, you know, that comment you made. And sometimes they make comments that I don't even remember making. Sometimes I don't think I made them. I think I preach something and they go, oh, and three generate, they go, God speaks to them this and they go, praise the Lord. And it works into their heart. And it may be through a sermon or it may be through a comment or a text or a hug or a prayer or something. But when I find that God has used something little old me can do and it makes a difference in somebody's life, those are good days. Amen. There are good days where you go, thank you, Lord, that you give me the privilege of making a difference. I also know that when you get those notes, may I say that when you get those words of encouragement, don't just discount them. Let those words of encouragement drop into your heart and realize you only get one word of encouragement for 10 people you touch. Most people don't ever respond. They don't ever write the note. That's okay. So when, when my kids or somebody gets a note, I go, hey, that means you got 10 more out there you don't even know about. We want our lives to make a difference. And my passion this morning, but much greater than this morning, is that two things. That you would become the person that God's designed you to become. That the things, the garbage that you carry, the burdens that you carry, the, the bitterness that may have found its way in, that day by day you'd be dropping those off, right? You got to get rid of the junk. You got to find your way to get through the stuff that, that clings on to you. We want to get clean, and then we want to become what God has designed for us to become. How many of you know that's a lifelong journey? You know, as far as I know, I haven't met the guy or the lady yet that's really obtained. We're all journeying down that road, cleaning up things that continually try the sin that so easily besets us. And we're pressing on towards the goal of knowing Christ. But so one of my deep passions is that we would become those people. You. That we don't much attend church. It's not about attending church. It's about becoming who God has intended for us to become. And then 
doing the work that he's designed for us to do. Pretty simple, really. We become who God wants us to become, and then we say, yes, Lord, what is it you have for me? And sometimes that, I'm not just talking career, I'm talking just day by day, walking it out with the Lord. That we would answer his divine call in our lives. So I want to bring us back to the vision statement we have here at church. The vision statement is that we would be a church empowered by God's spirit, where disciples of Jesus are made, where community is lived out each day, and where each member does their part to bring Christ to the world. One more time. Because if someone says, well, what's the vision of church? I would love it if all of us would memorize this. This is not scripture, but there's a whole lot of scripture built into this. That we be a church empowered by God's spirit, where disciples of Jesus are made, where communities lived out each day, we're interconnected, and where each member does their part to bring Christ to the world. To help you remember that, we've come up with the word, our code. The code is simply a way, C-O-D-E, to help you remember it, because it's easy to forget certain parts. We're community. As the body of Christ, we can't ever get by the fact that we need each other. And my heart and passion is that in this world of individualism, that more and more we would reject that and really care for each other. That we'd be there for people when they're ill, when they're sick. When someone's missing, we'd check on them. That when somebody's celebrating, we'd go to celebrate with them. That when someone is in need of a of food or money or a car, that we say, Lord, how can I be a part of caring for my brothers and sisters? That we'd be those that have fun together. We'd hang out together. We'd be in each other's homes. We'd break down this cultural independence that so easily drives us apart. In this world, we need community. And then outreach, that part where we look and say, how does my life how does God want to use me to extend the kingdom, to tell somebody about Jesus, to care for the poor? I love it that we have a team going down to build a house in Dominican Republic. They're caring for the poor. We're a part of that through the, our, our missions giving, through what we give, through impact. We're building a house for the poor. Does it say check on that list? Yeah, that's done. No, we don't we never finish these things, but we continue as a lifestyle be involved with outreach. Discipleship. I mentioned that, how we're growing, we're developing, we're becoming more like Christ. And all of this empowered by the Holy Spirit. I just want to say, stop and pause on that for a minute. May your heart and mind understand that the only good we do in this life is by the power of the Holy Spirit. That when God blesses you, it's praise God for what he's given to me. When God uses you, it's thank you, Jesus, that you can flow through me. When God speaks through you, you go, praise God, I'm a vessel that God is imperfect me, that God's using me to speak to somebody. That we would always realize that it's the power of the Holy Spirit. When you go to work, 
when you're working on a computer program or you're a doctor caring for somebody, it's only by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit that you can do that. Amen. I said before, but I have two areas of physical weakness. One is my voice and one is my back. Both of them in times past have shut me down. I woken up some mornings, woke up one morning in Dominican Republic, and my voice was gone. And I had a three-day pastor's conference that I was teaching. I was the teacher. And I had no voice at all. I had nothing. So I called up my assistant, who was brand new in the country. He really didn't know my, I said, John, it's all you. And he goes, shut up, dude. You're, you're messing with me. Don't mess with me. I'm like, no, man. He goes, oh, man, you owe me, babe. <laughs> and I didn't even go to my conference because I had no voice. It's hard to teach when you can't talk. And I remember it was just a couple years ago where I was considering coming to preach, and the only chair I could sit in was a lawn chair. I punted and had Jim McCracken do it. I thought, if I'm up there, it was Easter, I believe. It was Easter, and I thought, you know, if I get up there and preach, all they're going to say is, they won't remember anything I say. They'll go, the preacher passed in the lawn chair. I mean, preached in a lawn chair. That's not the message for Easter morning. So, um, but those things are good for me because they, the Lord just makes it really clear to me, I can shut you down like this. And anything you do is by my grace. Anything you do is because of my strength, my power, my working in you. And that's not just true for pastors. That's true for any one of us. That our life and our strength and our, our being is because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So I want to mix it up a bit this morning. You like to mix it up? Sermons too often are monologues. So we're going to mix it up today because I can. Um, so I want you to turn to somebody. I'm going to give you just a minute to think this through. I don't want anybody left out. Groups of three are the biggest. Two or three. And I want you to talk about the code with somebody beside you. You can take C, O, D, or E. You get one. And you're going to give two minutes to do all four of them, all right? Does this make sense? You can say, C, community. We need to love each other and care for each other. That's C. You can do any one of these. Turn to somebody beside you and talk about the code and how it's a part of our life or our life as a church, all right? Find somebody. Don't need to move too far. Find somebody and talk. You got two minutes here. Go. Talk about the code. Everybody gets one. You don't get four. You get one. Start with one.
All right. It's all right if you didn't get through it all. You're being community. You're talking to each other. You're caring for each other. I believe that as we grow in community and outreach and discipleship empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll become more of whom God has called us to be. And this is what the Lord's laid on my heart to be a year of discipleship. We want to have a summer of discipleship. And I'm launching out this morning in a summer series of what is a disciple or what makes a disciple. And my heart and passion is that you would love Jesus more at the end of the summer, that you'd look more like Jesus. I, I really, my side prayer is that God would have people come up to you and say, you know, what is it about you? You look a little different. You're, did you get a haircut? Or did you, you, know, you, do, you look great. There's something going on. What is it? And the reality would be that Christ is living more fully in your life. That you're experiencing more of a love of God. And that you're becoming more of who God has intended you to be. And this morning I want to talk about answering the call. That we take, it's just too good. Time that good. Thank you. That, that was that. He says I owe him. I don't know. I don't, it was good. I thought of having Kurt call me up here, and yeah, but that, that worked out even better. Um, so let's take a fresh look at Jesus. It's always a good place to start, right? Got a question? Let's take a look at Jesus. If you can't, you don't want to get too far away ever from the life of Christ, the messages of Christ, the heart of Christ for this world. And I think it's safe to say that Jesus did discipleship well. Safe to say that his model is worthy of our imitation and that his teachings are true and relevant for all time. He wasn't just the God of 2,000 years ago. His message wasn't just for those people, but his message holds true for us today. And my heart and passion, again, is that there be life transformation. We want information. Information that leads to transformation. We don't just want to get ourselves smarter. We want to be people that are holier and walking more closely and more in line with the Lord. So Jesus, he took 30 years of preparation. Jesus prepared. Step point one, he prepared. Take 30 years. Now think about that. Doesn't that seem like a little bit of a waste of time? I mean, think of the people that Jesus could have healed over those 30 years. Think of the things he could have done and the miracles he could have completed. But he prepared. And may I say there is a time of preparation in your life for what God is doing. There's a time of preparation, and sometimes we miss the call of God because we get anxious. God speaks a prophetic word or a word to your heart, and you go, wonderful, it's for today. And it's really not. It's, it's for today to prepare you for something he has for you down the line. We get ahead of God. That's on this hand. But on the other hand, sometimes 
we're too slow. And God is preparing us, but then there is a time to launch. There is a time to step out. There is a time to put it into practice. Think of a doctor or someone preparing to be a doctor, and they go to high school and they study biology. And then they go to college and they study chemistry. And then they get accepted in med school. And they go through four years of med school and they pass the boards and they become a doctor. And then they become a, get a specialty. And they get another specialty. And then they get another specialty and then they die. Brilliant. Educated. Trained. Knowledgeable. They just never put it into practice. We'd all read that obituary and go, that's kind of sad. And why would that be sad? Great preparation, great knowledge, great training. It'd be sad because a doctor is to use their training to serve people, right? That's what a doctor is to do. And God's called you to be a doctor. Maybe not a medical doctor. But he's called you to be a doctor of people, of souls, of life. And the training comes to a point, but then there is a point where you've got to step out. And may I just tell you that normally you step out in times where you say, well, I don't know that I'm really ready. I don't think I'm quite there yet. Ever felt that? Of course. Nobody's ready to do the work that God's called them because, and that's not a bad place to be, because when you're not ready, you go, oh, God. Oh, God, I need you. And actually, transparently, that's my prayer every Sunday. Now, I want to stay there. It's not a place I want to graduate from. The day I get up here and say, I got this. Oh, yeah. The day <laughs> I'm in big trouble, right? I want to say every day of my life, and as I prepare to preach, I say, oh, God, I need you. Prepare hearts that the word of God would penetrate, that something I say or even tangentially that they hear, that God, you would use these words to speak into lives, that more of Christ would be birthed in people's lives. God, help. And that's where God wants us every day with whatever he's called us to do. So Jesus prepared, Luke 2, 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor and in favor with God and man. So Jesus prepared and then he launched. He launched. And in that launching, the second thing that he did was he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought about that. I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? That Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, virgin born, Fully man, fully God. And Jesus still needed the Holy Spirit. And I think, okay, there, there's, the, there's a stamp on that statement. If Jesus needed the filling, the baptism, the, the leading, the guiding, the presence of the Holy Spirit, then so do you. And so do I. So Jesus received the fullness of the Holy Spirit after he was baptized. So here's Jesus. He prepared for 30 years, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, won a battle fighting against Satan. And now he's on top of the world and he launches his ministry. He begins to preach. He begins to heal the sick. He's doing things. His ministry is pressing forward. His fame is spreading. And then we see in chapter 5 of Luke that Jesus begins to call his disciples. I want to say why. Think about it. Why? Did he really need them? He was doing fine. I mean, think about this for a moment. Couldn't Jesus have come to earth and said, virgin birth, check. Sinless life, check. Filled with the Spirit, healed the sick, died for the sins of the world, risen from the dead, returned to the Father, mission accomplished, right? Well, those are the major things we talk about. Why did he need disciples? Why did he mess up his life with 12 motley crew of arguing men? Why did he do that? Well, let's turn to Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want to read that one more time. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So this is a biblical record of Jesus calling his first four disciples, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James and John. They're all fishermen, common men. They were Jews but they were not religious leaders. You would have thought he would have gone to the temple, called rabbis, called those guys, but he didn't. He went for everyday guys. And notice his words. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. I'd like to have a take-home of every sermon. If there's a take-home today, it's hear the words of Christ that would say to you, follow me. What does that mean to you? Follow me. And I believe that that is the call of Christ to each of us today. Not just to those 12. Not just to the unsaved. But it's a call to each and every one of us anew to follow me. So I ask you again, have you heard the call of Christ in your life to follow him? You know, Jesus didn't lay down a long list of rules and said, come to me and obey all these rules. People who say Christianity is a long list of rules have missed it. It's not simply about obeying the commandments of Christ, as important as that is. He also didn't take out a book of theology and say, believe these things. That's hard on me because I would do both of those. 
I would give out a manual. I'd say, here's what we believe. Here's what you should be doing. This makes sense. It's tangible. But Jesus didn't focus as much as he went back. There are things that are important. Please don't hear me that there's not commandments and that theology doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. Okay? What I am saying is that Jesus turned to these men and said, follow me. It was about relationship with him. Now, what if Jesus would have come to you and said, follow me right now? You know, I would have a whole lot of questions. I would say things like, uh, where are we going? Uh, how long is this trip? Uh, what about my job? How am I going to pay for things? What about my family? What about... I'd have a whole lot of questions I would have asked before I'd signed the dotted line. Jesus just says, follow me. That's it. And I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. You know, it wasn't convenient for these guys. We want to get our lives all in order before we take the step. But this was not convenient for them. You ever wonder what their father Zebedee said at that moment? I mean, it's a family business. He's got his two sons. They're, they're doing the work. They're mending the net. They have jobs to do. This guy walks up named Jesus and says, hey, follow me. And they drop their nets, step off the boat, and they fall. I can kind of hear Zebedee going, hey, hold on. What about... I mean, that would have been pretty traumatic to their family fishing business, but they left their nets and they followed Jesus. It was not convenient. I want to just pause for a moment and say, I don't know, never know everybody who's here, but there may be somebody here today that's never opened their heart to Christ. And the first step of responding to the call of follow me is to open your heart to Christ. To say, I will follow you with my life. It's the first major step to say, I've been going different directions, but Jesus, I respond to your invitation of salvation. And if that's your heart today, if you're saying, you know, I, I want to follow Christ, at the end of the service, we're going to have a ministry team right over here. Just walk on up and say, you know, um, what the preacher said about uh, following Christ, I, I want to do that today. And they'll pray with you. They would love to do that. We want to give every opportunity for people to begin their walk with following Jesus. But the second part of this call wasn't simply follow me. He says, and I'll make you fishers of men. I thought, wow, I'll make you fishers of men. Right from the get-go, he let them know this is not all about you. This is not just about you becoming a disciple. This is about you following me and then me working my purposes out through your life. And I believe God's calling us afresh this morning to follow Jesus. That we would be those who would say, Jesus, where are you calling me? And you know, folks, honestly, that's a lifetime commitment. 
It's not just I followed Christ and he led me to be a missionary. That may be. But it may be that God's calling you into the business world. It may be that God's called you into the education world. Maybe that God's calling you into your home to pour your life into your children. It may be that God's calling you to care. If I may, my brother Jerry, Jerry's spending his life caring for his wife right now who is just very weak. She's not doing great. My dear brother who I've walked, Jerry and I served together in Dominican Republic. And this phase of his life, his call of God is to love his wife and care for her in this season. I said, good job, Jerry. Also, thanks for serving in the military. Appreciate that. There's calls of life by season, by day, but Jesus says, follow me. And to follow Christ, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence to be able to say, Lord, one of the greatest challenges, well, God, what is that? And that's part of the challenge. Worship team, if you come on up. But I just want to ask you the questions. Are you following Christ today? Is how you're spending your days, your career, your life, is it in obedience to God's call? Or is it just what you do? You know, following money is not the same as following God. It's good to earn money. It's good to be responsible. It's good to provide for your family. But if your only decision of where you work or what you do is how much they pay you, then I think you've missed it somewhere. Because God calls us to follow him. God calls us to obey his direction in our lives. And what I want to leave us with this morning is that Jesus is calling to each of us. In each season of our lives, each day of our lives, the Lord is calling. And are you asking that question? I would challenge you to say, even as you go home today, say, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to be and what are you calling me to do? And if you set your heart to say yes, it's going to be a great adventure. I don't know where God will lead you. I don't know what it will cost you. I don't know if you'll come back alive. Jesus talked about following him by picking up your cross and follow me. He made it pretty clear it's not all roses in this world following Christ. But God has such incredible plans. I, I, I dream about this church and I say as each of us become more and more filled with the Spirit and obeying God's call upon our life, how will God want to use us to transform the world for Jesus. It's exciting. Scary sometimes. Only scary because we sometimes lack in our ability to trust. So my heart and prayer for us is that we would be followers.
We're going to be disciples. We're those who will follow Jesus. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what makes a disciple? A disciple of Christ hears the call of the Spirit and answers the call. May that be true of each of us this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you didn't just leave us a manual, but you left us your Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us for all those who have opened their heart to Christ. And Father, I pray that you would, as it were, clean out our ears, prepare our hearts and clean out our ears, God, that we would hear your voice and then just with excitement say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We want to be those who follow you and then God use us to make a difference in this world, to be fishers of men, fishers of people, God, that we would be those who would be extending your hand and your love to this world that has such great, great need of you. Jesus, we set our hearts to follow you this morning as your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be together. If you're our guest this morning, I'd love to meet you. I'll be out at the uh, Welcome Center on the left-hand side. And if you...